Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Considering the theme of this year, running with patience, uh, I thought that as I was thinking about things I wanted to do for the year, um, some of you might be people who make New Year's resolutions. On January 1st, you have a New Year's resolution. Uh, I sometimes make resolutions on New Year's Day. Sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I just feel like, you know what? It's the middle of June, but I'm not waiting till January. I know I need to make a change. I'm just going to make a change. And uh, sometimes I'll do that, and sometimes I'll think about, you know what, January 1st, now that we're here, you know, let me think about some different things. One of the things that I like to do every year, I don't know if it's a resolution because I do it every single year, but uh, to read through the Bible in a year. And I have that plan that I handed out last week. And uh, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, I encourage you to get one. Uh, we have this uh, printout that uh, kind of helps guide you through the Bible on what day you should read what verses. And it allows for you to either read through the New Testament in a year, or read through the Bible in a year. And if you don't have a plan, I encourage you to get a plan, uh, whether it's through an app or whether you have your own schedule or even the schedule that I'm following. I encourage you to get into your Bible every day and follow the schedule and get into the Word. And uh, so I'm following that schedule. That's something that I do uh, every single year. And uh, considering the theme for the year being running with patience, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should incorporate this, not just spiritually, but also physically. I thought, you know what? Maybe I should get back into running. You know, there was a time where I was running when I was uh, living in New Jersey. Our apartment complex sat right above this park. There was like a pond or a lake, and there was a running path around it, and there's kind of trails through the woods nearby. And so I, I would go and, and uh, walk down to the park, and I'd run around the trail a couple of times and come back up and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should get back into this running thing. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll do that. And, uh, but sometimes you just need a little help to get you kind of going. And uh, one of the great things about running is uh, you can register for these races. And uh, they have these 5K races, which is about three miles or so. They have 10K races. They have half marathons and marathons and things like that. And so I thought, you know what? Uh, you know, I've done a 5K before. You know, that's not that bad. You know, I could do a 5K and, uh, you know, I'll think about that. And so I, I looked up, uh, you know, these races that are available in the L.A. area. And, uh, you know, they have the L.A. Marathon. They have all these different things. And I was kind of surprised that the number of races that go on throughout the year in the area. And uh, I was looking at this website that kind of has a lot of these races and events. And, and uh, there's a lot of them. It's like every single weekend. And, you know, a lot of these races are on Saturdays and Sundays. And unfortunately, I can't do Saturday morning or Sunday morning, all right? It'd be a little strange if you all gathered together here and I'm off running a 5K somewhere else. And uh, so I know that's not really going to work out. And uh, so, but uh, I did find one this year. Uh, apparently, this is a leap year. There's the February the 29th. And apparently on the February 29th, there is a 5K race that goes on in Long Beach uh, in the evening time. And uh, so I, th I think it's a Thursday, and I thought, you know what, that, that might not be too bad. It's about two months away, you know, get, get a little bit of running, and uh, I might be able to do that. So I kind of thought about it. I haven't registered yet, <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking about it, and uh, that's one of the races. But it kind of surprised me, the number of races that go on, like, every single weekend. 
over here in Santa Monica, there's a race over here, and then in LA, and then down here in Long Beach, and uh, you know, all sorts of different places, all over the places, there's races going on every single weekend, and I was completely unaware of all of these races. And I'm sure that many of you, if not most of you, all of you maybe, were also completely unaware. Now, it's not that important that you know about all of these races, but as we are gathered here together this morning to take a look at the Word of God, there is one very important race that we should all be aware of. Unfortunately, sometimes people are unaware of, and it's the Christian race. The Bible talks to us about the Christian race that every Christian is in. If you're a believer, if you have confessed your sins before the Lord and you understand the wages of sin, and you understand the wages of sin is death, and you understand that, but, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, and you've been born again, you're saved, you're cleansed of all of your sins, you're part of the family of God, you can take the name of Christ, you are a Christian, you are in this race, every single Christian, and we must recognize that we are, as believers, every believer is a participant in this race. Imagine yourself that you're walking down the street and it just so happens that the street that you're walking down is part of one of these races. Imagine that there's a marathon going on, a half marathon, and, uh, and you just happen to be, you know, get into the street somehow, and you're walking down the street where this race is going on. Imagine that you're completely unaware of this race, you might be a little confused as to why people are running down this street. Where is everybody going? And why are they dressed that way? And why do they have these little white squares of paper on their chest with numbers on the front? What's going on? And, and why are they breathing so hard? I mean, take it easy. It's a nice Sunday morning. It's a nice Saturday morning. I mean, just, just relax, everybody. Where is what's going on? You can imagine there's a race going on and you're unaware of the race, you might be a little confused why everybody else is doing what they are doing. And unfortunately, sometimes Christians are unaware they are in a race. You're not just watching the race, you're in the race. You're a participant in the race. And we must recognize that every believer, every born-again Christian is part of this race that God has called for us to run. Now, thankfully, you do not have to run the race alone. You get to run the race together. That's the wonderful thing about the relationship with God. You are running not by yourself, but God is there with you. And every step of the way, God is with you. He is uh, encouraging you. He will strengthen you. God is there with you. But also, that's the wonderful thing about a church. We get to run the race together. 
If you've ever been a part of a race, you'll know that uh, they don't start off one at a time. They kind of start together in groups and packs and things like that. And, you know, if it's a very serious race, you have the most serious runners at the front. But, you know, for a casual thing like 5K or something like that, you know, it just everybody kind of get together and hey, we'll, we'll start together. And it's kind of encouraging when you run together with somebody. You know, when you run by yourself, that's, that's what I often did when I was in New Jersey. I was running by myself and, you know, there were other people around, but I was running by myself, you know, and every time I would run around the pond was another temptation. You know what? Maybe, maybe once around is enough, even though I should run around five times, you know, and the second time I thought, you know what? Maybe two is okay. Maybe tomorrow I'll make it up or, you know, but when you're running together with somebody, it encourages you. Hey, let's keep going. Hey, let's finish the race. Hey, let's do what we said we would do. We said we would run around the pond five times. Let's do it five times today. And, and uh, you know, not just one person, but together as a church. We have so many that we could run together with. As we consider the race that we are in, we must have the mindset of a runner. You have to think like a runner. Now, I am not a natural runner. Uh, when I like to exercise, I like to do something. Uh, when I run, my mind tends to get a little bored, you know, and my mind wanders here and there and things like that. And when your mind gets bored, you always think about when is this going to be over? <laughs> when is the pain going to end? And, you know, those are the kinds of things. So I would play soccer and I would play basketball, you know, things you got to keep your mind busy. And, and uh, so I would like to do that. But, you know, when you're running, you got to have a particular mindset in order to run and in particular, to run well. So I want to see this morning, as we consider the theme of running with patience, the mindset of the spiritual runner. First of all, I see the priority of the runner. The priority of the runner. Verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. The first thing that Paul mentions to us in regards to this race is to lay aside. We're going to have to put something down if we will be runners in the race. Now he says, what are we supposed to lay aside? Every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Obviously, we must lay aside our sins. We must lay them aside. We must put them aside. If we're going to use the race analogy, sins are the illegal things in the race. Sinning is breaking the rules. You cannot win the race if you cut off part of the course. You cannot win the race if you jump in a car and drive for part of it. You cannot win a race if you're tripping the other runners as they try to go past you. You cannot win the race that way. There are illegal things in the race. And in the Christian race, there are illegal things as well. We call them sins. The Bible gives us very clearly the sins in the Word of God. And he enumerates them to us. He explains them to us. Just like if you were going to run a race or you're going to play a sport, you got to know the rule book. You need to know what you're allowed to do and what you are not allowed to do. You need to understand how do we play the game fairly? How do we play the game in a way that is meant to be played? And if we are to run a race, we must understand the rules. And the Bible tells us the rules. And 
God gives to us his word and we must strive lawfully. That's what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 2. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. If you break the rules, you don't get to win the race. You are disqualified. So as Christians, of course, we understand once you are saved, you are always saved. And praise the Lord for that. But in terms of running the race, we must follow the rules. Following the rules means putting aside sin. We must live in purity. We must follow the God of holiness if we are to run this race and to succeed in it. But he not only says that we are to lay aside sins. That would be obvious. Don't break the rules. That's obvious for everybody. But he also says to lay aside the weights, not just the sins. Don't break the rules is what God says. That, that's, that's, that's clear. We all know that. You don't even have to say that. We know don't break the rules. But also we are to lay aside weights. Now, the implication here is that weights are not necessarily sins, but they will slow you down in the race. They are not necessarily, you know, if you were to look in the Bible to say, hey, show me where in the Bible it says that I cannot do that, we might not be able to point you to a verse. But there are still things that will slow you down in the race. I'm a big sports fan. And uh, being from Seattle, I root for the Seattle sports teams. And uh, we have a football team, we have a baseball team, I hope that there's a basketball team, you know. And uh, my, uh, I went to college in Seattle, and so my alma mater is playing in a national championship game tomorrow, so I'm, I'm rooting for them tomorrow. And, and uh, so I, I, I root for all of these teams. And uh, so right now we're in the middle of football season in the NFL, and uh, my team has a problem. Uh, Seattle has a problem because they're in the same division as uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, they're a really good team. Uh, they, they're a really good team this year. They were a really good team last year. They've been a really good team, uh, you know, in recent years. And uh, they, they, they've been getting us the last couple of times, the last couple of years. And uh, they got a lot of great players on their team and a lot of people that will be, you know, part of the Pro Bowl or all pro teams, you know, selected as being, you know, you're one of the best players at your position in the entire league. You know, they've got a bunch of them. They're a great, great team. One of those players is Christian McCaffrey. And uh, you might recognize the name if you follow football. He's an he's a incredible athlete. He was an incredible athlete before he got to San Francisco, and he's been even doing, if we could say, even better uh, while he's there, and uh, he's doing great. He's a, uh, an awesome uh, football player, and uh, if you know his uh, history, his family, it would not surprise you that he was such a great athlete. His mom was a soccer player in college at Stanford. And uh, so she was obviously an accomplished athlete, went to a great college. Her dad was an Olympian and won the silver medal in the 100-meter dash in the 1960 Olympics. So imagine that, that your grandpa is an Olympic medalist. I mean, there's only so many of them in the world. And imagine that. Your mom is a great athlete, played soccer in college at Stanford. Your, your grandpa, her dad, 
is an Olympic silver medalist. So he's got some great genes on his mom's side. His dad is no slouch either. His dad, Ed McCaffrey, was a wide receiver in the NFL. He was a football player himself. And I remember his dad playing for the Denver Broncos when I was a kid and watching uh, uh, football and things like that. And, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't know that much about everything that goes on in the sport. You know, I enjoyed watching football, enjoyed watching the sports. But Ed McCaffrey is uh, he's a three-time Super Bowl winner, obviously very successful, one of the best receivers in Broncos history. He's an accomplished athlete, but he's not known for those things. He's known for one thing in particular. He's known for cutting all of the weight off that he possibly could. And he would go to extreme measures. He would, when he would get his jersey, he would cut the lining out of his jersey to make it a little bit lighter. He would cut slots and, and cut parts of his jersey off in order to make it a little bit lighter. He would cut the pockets off of his pants in order to try to shed a little weight. He wore football pads, as you know, when you play football, you gotta wear pads, you gotta protect yourself. He wore pads that were no longer being made. They were like so small that the equipment manager said, these are the kinds of pads you would put on junior football players, you know, kids growing up. And uh, he wanted the lightest, smallest thing possible so that he could run as fast as he possibly could. That was his goal. Now, is it illegal to have pockets in your pants when you are a football player? No, it's not illegal. Is it illegal to have the lining in your jersey? No, it's not illegal. Is it illegal to have giant, really heavy pads to protect yourself? No, it's not illegal. But Ed's thought was not about what is legal or what is illegal, his thought was, what will make me faster? That was his thought. His priority was, how can I be faster? And that's the mentality of a runner. A runner does not think about what is allowed or what is not allowed. He thinks about what will make me faster? What will make me better in this run? The mentality of a runner is not, well, why can't I have that? Why can't I do this? Why can't I eat this? The mindset of a runner is, what can I get rid of? What can I take out that will allow me to run faster, to allow me to run longer, to allow me to run better? Because the more weight you have, the more it will slow you down. And the longer the race you run, the more it will hinder you in your life. And so Paul admonishes us and encourages us, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There's a lot of things in the Christian life that if you were to pin down a Christian or a pastor or even try to take a look at the word of God, you might not be able to see anything that says, well, that's, that's, you can't do that because it's, you know, the Bible says don't do that. But there are many things that will slow us down in the Christian race. You know, when I was growing up, I played a lot of soccer. 
you know, Seattle plays a lot of soccer and it rains a lot. You can't play baseball and you can't do a lot of things, but you could play soccer. So we played a lot of soccer. And, and when I was in elementary school, I played soccer. In middle school, I played soccer. In high school, I played soccer. And all our games were on Saturdays. So we would play our games on Saturdays and, and go do all of these things. And, and uh, when I got to high school, though, they started transitioning. Some of the games were on Saturday and some of the games were on Sundays. I, I knew what the Bible says about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Not only that, I knew that my parents wouldn't let me skip church services to go play a soccer game. And so I went to the Saturday games and I skipped the Sunday games. It was half and half. I knew it was just going to get worse. So after my sophomore year of high school, I stopped playing soccer. I didn't play because I knew, you know what, I, I can't do that. But even beyond that, sometimes if we take a look at sports, we would say, you know what, is there anything wrong with playing sports? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. I love talking about sports. I like reading about sports. I like being around sports. I love sports. And many of you love sports as well. But sports can be a weight in your Christian life. It can be a big distraction in your life. Is there anything wrong with soccer? No, there's nothing wrong with soccer. But if it consumes your mind so that you're not really thinking about the word of God, you're not thinking about how you might witness to somebody, you're not thinking about how might I grow in the Lord, how does this glorify God, then it can be a weight in your Christian life. It can slow you down. It can be a distraction to you. Let's talk about social media. Is there anything wrong with being on Instagram? Some might say yes, but I would say, you know what? I hope not because I'm on Instagram. <laughs> You know, and I, I try to do uh, what I can. Uh, you know, I'm not really somebody who really posts a lot. I'm not somebody who takes selfies and things like that. Some of you do that. And I just, I've just always felt a little awkward doing it. So I've just never really done it. And uh, so never really did that. But uh, one of the missionaries that we had last year, I was talking with him about this and that. And, and uh, he said, oh, you know, I was talking with this other missionary. And he said, you know what? Sometimes we Christians, we let the world have social media. You know, we need to be out there and posting things and, you know, telling them about what we're doing and the Bible and, the, you know, God and things like that. And I thought, you know what, maybe I will try. And so I started, you know, and, and uh, so this year I really thought, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to try to post something, you know, and I'm posting about Bible verses and things going on at the church. I'm really going to try to, you know, at least let people know, hey, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. You should read your Bible too. Hey, this great verse in the word of God. Hey, this is what's going on at the church. It's exciting. Let's do these things. And, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do these things. But as we all know, Instagram can be a great temptation. It's so easy for us to just think, you know, what? I'm just going to I'm just going to pop on the app and just, you know, kill a minute or two. And then a minute or two becomes an hour or two. <laughs> you're just scrolling and scrolling, or you click on something, and that leads to something else. And, and now you're looking at this, and then before you know it, all the time is gone. What, what happened to the time? Now, is there anything wrong with being on social media? Not necessarily. There's obviously a lot of wickedness there. But assuming you avoid all of those things, is it necessarily wrong? Maybe not, not, not so per se, but it definitely could slow you down in your Christian walk if instead of meeting somebody and witnessing to them, discipling, encouraging somebody, meeting together with another believer, or even uh, thinking about your family, how can I encourage them in the Lord? You're just absorbed into social media. It can, it can slow you down. And the mentality of the runner in the Christian race is, you know what? I'm thinking about how can I run the best race I possibly can? 
And the things that slow me down are going to get cut out. Maybe not forever, sometimes just for a time, but sometimes we need to cut things out. And let's just be honest, it's hard to cut things out. These things that we are told to cut out, we have to cut them out because we like them. We like social media. We like sports. I like social media. I like sports. I like these things. And so do many of you. But it can really slow us down in the Christian race. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. But we can easily get caught in the weights and sins that will slow us down. Kobe Bryant was famous for his discipline as an athlete. For his workout, he would wake up early in the morning and go work out before the morning workout for the team, for the Lakers. And he was known for getting up really early and, and being very serious, very intense, and you know, having a very specific diet. And he said that one of the hardest parts for him as he got older was to cut certain things out. You know, when he was younger, he could eat whatever he wanted. It was no big deal. He could eat pizza, he could eat burgers, he could eat snacks, he could drink soda, he could eat candy, no problem, you know. And, uh, you know, if you're 20 years old, 18 years old, or whenever he got into the NBA, man, when you're 18 years old, you could eat anything and no problem, you know. But as he got older, into his 20s and then into his 30s, he realized, you know what, I can't keep doing this. And so he had to start cutting things out. So he had to cut out pizza. I can't imagine cutting out pizza. I love pizza. There's nothing wrong with pizza. You can put anything on pizza. And it's awesome. It's great. When we were in New Jersey, my wife and I, we would often go to a pizza place after she got off, uh, she worked at a school. After she got off from the school, we would go to a pizza place and we would eat. You know, it was awesome. And you'd have all sorts of different kinds of pizzas. You know, you have thin, you know, thin crust pizza. You have deep dish pizza, all different kinds of pizzas. It's awesome. But if you're trying to win an NBA championship, maybe the pizza isn't so awesome. Oh, it tastes good in the moment. And maybe you could really enjoy it. But Kobe Bryant's goal was not to enjoy the food as much as he could. His goal was to win. His goal was a championship. And he thought, as much as I love pizza, if pizza slows me down, it's gone. Soda, gone. Candy, gone. Wow! And we can't imagine that. Cutting out some of these things. But Kobe Bryant did. You know why? Because he had the mindset. Well, we're, we're calling the mindset of a runner. But the mindset of an athlete, you might call it this, the mindset of a champion. That's how champions think. You know what champions think? They don't think about, you know, oh, why, why can't I eat pizza? You know what Kobe Bryant thought? He thought, what is holding me back from winning the next championship? I want another championship. I've got three. I want four. I've got four. I want five. I've had five. I want six. That was his thought. That was his mentality. And anything that got in the way of that was pulled out, removed, cut out, as painful as it was for him. And that's why he was able to win so much. That's his mentality, and that needs to be our mentality as well. So that we might run, not walk, not jog, but run. Running implies urgency and passion. I have a somewhat embarrassing story to tell, 
about one very distinct time in my life when I had to run. Uh, when I graduated from uh, grad school, I took a couple of trips. You know, my thought was after I'm done with school, I got to go to work. But once you start working, you know, you're working all the time, you know, all year round. You get some vacation days, but you know, you're working all the time. And so I thought, you know, before I start working, I want to take a couple of trips. Uh, so one of the trips that I took was I went to Washington DC. I was living in Seattle at the time, flew across Washington DC, stayed in Virginia in a hotel and, and uh, took the subway there into DC every morning. And I went to all sorts of different places. I went to Arlington Cemetery. I went to uh, took a tour of the Capitol building. Uh, I went up in the Washington Monument and th you know, all sorts of different things. It was great. It was awesome. And I had a lot of fun and I really enjoyed seeing all the memorials. They have the World War II Memorial, the Korean War Memorial, you know, you have the Lincoln, you know, uh, uh, monument or memorial or whatever that is, you know, all of these different things. And uh, the one thing I didn't get to do was go to the White House. I uh, really wanted to go to the White House, but I didn't know at the time that you needed a letter from your state senator to get into the White House. You have to write to your senator asking, I would like to go get a tour of the White House and they write you back and then you get to apply and, you know, and uh, by that time it was too late. And so I thought, ah, oh, you know what, uh, next time. So one of these days I'm hoping uh, to be able to go back to DC and get a tour of the White House. So uh, I went to DC. The other trip that I took was I went to Europe. And uh, I had wanted to go to Europe and, uh, you know, see some of the sites. So, you know, I went, to the, I went to Athens and I saw the Parthenon, you know, and I saw that. And, you know, went to Rome and you see the Colosseum and you see all of these things. And, you know, I went to, I went to you know, see all of these things. I ate great pizza over there and had, uh, you know, really enjoyed my time over there. And, uh, you know, it kind of made my way up. I ended up going to Paris and, and uh, my last stop was London. So I was there in London and they had the, you know, the big Ferris wheel, you know, the London Eye, went up in the London Eye and went to some museums and things like that. And so I, I, I went there and on the very last day, of course, I'm flying out. And uh, so I'm flying out from London to Philadelphia to Seattle. So I'm flying over, I got a layover in Philadelphia and then I, I, from Philadelphia, I fly all the way home to Seattle. And so I went to the airport in London and as I was trying to get my ticket, uh, something was kind of off, you know? Now everybody's got a smartphone or, you know, you just got the thing on your, on your phone. But, you know, back then you actually needed to print something out. And, uh, you know, I was just traveling by myself, so I had to go to the counter and, uh, and uh, get a ticket. And so I, I told her my name and I gave her the confirmation number, stuff like that. And I could tell she was confused and, uh, you know, like, um, you know, and I was kind of thinking, huh, this is kind of weird, you know, and uh, I'm overseas, I'm by myself, I want to go home, you know, and uh, this is a little un uh, disconcerting. And uh, come to find out, this is where the embarrassing part is, I went to the wrong airport. <laughs> now, I don't know how you go to the wrong airport, but when I bought the tickets, you know, it says London. And in London, there's one major airport. It's Heathrow Airport. Even I knew Heathrow Airport. 
And uh, just like here in the LA area, if you book a ticket into LA, sometimes the drop-down list will have different LA airports, right? You have uh, Long Beach, or you have Ontario, or you know, uh, uh, Burbank. You know, you've got these different airports in the area, but LAX is the big one, right? So you just assume if you're going to LA, you're going to LAX, right? So that, you know, and you go to London, you're, you're thinking you're going to Heathrow. And uh, so I went to Heathrow. The problem is my ticket wasn't for Heathrow, it was for Gatwick. And I was like, I didn't know that there was an airport named Gatwick Air, you know? And I was like, uh-oh, what do I do? And uh, the lady said, don't worry about it. Well, you know, we'll find you another, another ticket. We'll find you another spot. And she said, okay, I find you a spot. Uh, but just so you're aware, it will land you 30 minutes after your original flight. And I thought, hey, no problem, great. So I got on the flight, checked in everything, flew over there, landed in, in Philadelphia. If you're not familiar with the process of flying overseas and flying back, if you have a layover in the country, at least when I was there in Philadelphia, I had to pick up my luggage that I checked in, go through customs, recheck it in, and then get on my next flight. So originally, I had an hour and a half to do that whole thing. Now I had an hour. And so I'm already thinking, all right, this is going to be tight. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty quick guy. I got through, and uh, you have to go and you pick up your luggage. And then as you get out of the luggage, you go into this giant room hallway that leads to customs. And I got to the room, and it was the biggest traffic jam you've ever seen. That room was completely full. Nobody was moving. And I thought, uh-oh, I might miss my flight. So I'm there, and it's, you know, what can you do? You're just standing there, you've got luggage, the person in front of you has their luggage, and you're surrounded with people. There's nowhere to go. There's no way to shimmy your way through. Everybody is just locked in there. Just slowly, as one person gets through, they kind of shuffle forward and you take, you know, you kind of shuffle forward a little bit and, you know, so we're kind of very, very slowly making our way. The whole time, all I could do was think, what time is it? What time, how much time do I have left? The whole time. You know, I didn't even have a smartphone at the time. So there's nothing to do. So you're just sitting there wondering about the time. And so finally we get through and I get to customs, I get through customs and finally check in my luggage, and there's just a couple minutes left to get to the gate. So guess what I did? I ran. Have you ever seen somebody run through the airport? <laughs> Have you ever seen them? <laughs> Their luggage dragging behind them, huffing and puffing. They're looking, you know, where, where is the gate? You know? and, running through the airport. You know, I've seen people like that. I'm like, come on, just get to the airport earlier. Now here I am. I'm the one running through the airport. And I'm running and trying to make it all the way through to the air, you know, to the gate. I don't want to miss the flight. I don't know what's going to happen. What if I don't get on the airplane? I might get stuck overnight. I don't want to do that. And I'm running to get over there, make it just in the nick of time. I'm the last one on the plane. You ever been the last one on the plane? You know, everybody is sitting there like, ah, oh, you're the one holding it up. <laughs> oh, we're ready to go. We're waiting for you, you know? And, uh, you know, you're just kind of sheepishly trying to find your seat. Where is it? You know, you're hoping there's a luggage, you know, space up, up ahead. And I get in the, 
you know, I get inside, you know, I made it. You know, when I was in that airport, that was not a leisurely stroll. It was not a walk or a jog. I was running because I had something to catch. You know, God encourages us when we're in a race, run like you've got a plane to catch. Like if you don't run, you're missing that plane. You're missing that trip. You're not getting out of there. And God is encouraging us. Hey, run with patience. Hey, let's not meander about. Let's not just stroll through this life. Let's not just jog here and there. Let us run with patience. That is the admonition that God gives to us. Let us run the race that God has called for us. Let us lay aside the sins. Let us lay aside the weights. Let's put it away so that we can run. God encourages us also with the patience of the runner. Our theme is running with patience. The verse says, let us run with patience. The word indicates endurance. To run with patience is to run with endurance. Because if, you, if you've ever run, like if you run in a gym and you're on a treadmill, and I've run on a treadmill, it's not my favorite. Some people like it. You get to watch things and whatever, things like that. You get to go to a gym. It's not my favorite because, man, it's just so tempting running to just kind of put your legs on the side and just kind of take a break for a little bit. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know, I've been running. You know, at least if you run outside and you run away, you at least have to run back. You know, you kind of force yourself to run the other half. But even if you run in a loop, you run laps, you know, there's always a temptation in the middle to just stop. Because you get tired after a while. Your legs get tired, your lungs get tired, your brain gets tired. You get tired after a while. That's why runners need a particular mindset. They need that mindset of, I'm going to run with endurance. Not just how fast do we run, but how far. The Christian race is not just about spurts here and there. It's about a long-term run about how far we can get. The Christian race is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And it requires endurance. 26.4 miles is how long marathons are. It's a long, long distance. If you drive 26.4 miles, you're like, wow, that's a long trip. Imagine running that. That's a long race. The Bible says we've got to run with the mentality, I'm going to finish. I'm not quitting in the middle. I'm not stopping after a mile. I'm not stopping after two miles. I'm not stopping after five miles. I'm not stopping after 10 miles. I'm not stopping until I'm done until I cross the finish line. That's what running with patience is. Running with patience and running with endurance is, I'm going to make it to the finish line and I'm not stopping until I get there. One foot in front of the other. So maybe I'm running faster here, maybe I'm a little bit slower, but one foot in front of the other every single moment all the way until I get to the end. Running 
with patience. Don't quit until you finish. You know how we know when we're finished? When we cross the finish line. You know where the finish line is? It's the gates of heaven. When you hit the gates of heaven, you'll know you're at the finish line. When you see the pearly gates, when you see the streets of gold, when you see the throne of heaven, when you see your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you'll know I'm done. But if you're not there yet, we're still in the race. We still got some running to do. So God encourages us, the patience of the runner. But thirdly and lastly, we see the prize of the runner. I mentioned that I was looking at uh, registering for a race, like a 5K or something like that. And uh, these races, they have a registration fees. You know, and sometimes they're a little bit cheaper, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, you know. Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a description. And part of the description includes almost, for the races that I saw, pretty much everyone Part of the prize is when you cross the finish line, there's a medal for you. There's a medal that says, I finished. I made it to the end. There's a prize for every runner in the race, ready and available. And God says for every runner in the Christian race, every believer, everyone who has been born again, cleansed from their sins, you're in the race. You're a participant. God is registered for the race. There is a prize for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, that ye may obtain. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible he says these people are running for these races so that they could get the medals that are available for them. We also are running. We also will get a medal, but not an incorruptible one, or not a corruptible one, but one that will last forever. I, therefore, so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, I know there is a prize waiting for me in heaven that will be for all of eternity and I am running for that prize. Run for the prize as if a runner is running for the gold medal in the Olympics. Let us run. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them that also love his appearing. Paul said, I know there is a prize waiting for me because I have run the race. And God says there is a race for you as well. There is a prize waiting for you. So run that ye might obtain the prize. 